Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host this week, Ryan, and joining me is my co-host, Josh. How's it going, Josh? Hey, Ryan. How's it been? Been pretty good. Welcome back to the show. Uh, As mentioned over the last couple weeks, Jocelyn is off on medical leave, but she will be back very soon. She's doing okay, and uh, her and I have have talked on a few occasions over the last couple weeks, and uh, she's excited to come back, but she's also excited to hear about all the games that our guests are playing. And Josh has brought a really fun one, which is the new co-op game from uh, uh, Joseph Ferris, which is the which is the uh, F the Oscars guy from the Game Awards. <laughs> so excited! That's the guy. Yeah, that's the that's what he's known for best, I think. Um, but uh, no, he he did uh, Brothers and another co-op adventure game probably closer to the It Takes Two style called uh, A Way Out, I believe it is. Uh, No Way Out, I think. No Way Out. See, I'm more optimistic. I'm more optimistic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I am looking forward to hearing about it because you beat it. You played the whole thing with your sister. She even put a guide out. I feel like I, uh, I, I was slacking this week because I didn't write a guide for anything, let alone play, uh, uh, it takes two to completion, but I'm I'm excited to hear about it because the game looks like a lot of fun. Uh, it is. Um, so a little bit of background. My sister Velvet is a trophy guide writer and she hit me up. She was like, hey, you're into co-op games. There's this co-op game coming out. I want to do a trophy guide for it. In order to do a trophy guide, you got to get the platinum trophy, which is basically finding every trophy in the game. Uh, we play it on the PlayStation. So we had to get every trophy in the game, play it to completion, get the platinum, and then we write a wonderful guide, kind of directing people on how to get Platinums themselves. So we did a 14-hour stream on Saturday of playing through this game. And it is one of the most fun co-op experiences I have ever had. And like, I play a ton of co-op games, but this one was a blast. It's got humor, amazing gameplay, the puzzles are good, every level was wowing us. Like, Oh, it was like I went into it thinking, okay, I'm just going to play this game for some fun with my sister. We're going to do this cool trophy guide. Cool. And I came out of it like this game has game of the year potential. That's how fun this game is. Wow. That's uh, that's those are big words for for uh, I I don't know how I I'd classify this game. It is a I don't know. Would you call it like a like a like a double A? I always hate that that moniker because it doesn't feel as explanative that's not a word is it it probably is but i'm using it incorrectly but it doesn't feel like it captures the studio that made this game um like a high-end indie title i know it's a it's an ea original so part of their partners or probably what was their partners program and yeah it looks it just looks so cool i i had a chance to check out um the trial so if you go to any of the platforms it's on which is playstation xbox and pc you can download the friend pass version which essentially allows you to play the whole game in its entirety with another person who owns the game so the person owning the game has to host and then you join however if you have the friend pass version you can play uh, a trial so ashley and i played the uh, the first i think it's the first level it probably caps out before the uh, vacuum boss, I would guess. They probably 
get you right up to that boss and 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 cut you out there but uh it's a fairly good chunk in terms of what they offer in that sort of preview it definitely gives you a really good idea of of what the game offers for sure and yeah yeah because i mean uh if if it does play through that whole level you do get an idea of the type of game that you're jumping into where uh we called it kind of like a co-op adventure puzzler where the puzzles they're not so overt like it's in your face you need to solve this puzzle it's just kind of getting through the level you guys have to work together or as the booking game calls it collaboration <laughs> yeah uh, the book of love is a character which is uh an amazing character yeah he <laughs> he's over the top i'll give you that but he he does his he plays his he plays his part well uh, essentially the story is you have and i didn't realize this so the trailer that originally unveiled this game was uh here are these two dolls they've clearly have these real people have been transformed into these dolls and they're gonna have to work together and follow the book of love through this adventure to learn how to love again but uh the game starts out with very real people not sorry not real but like realistic looking humans that are walking around and, and they're you know they have a daughter and they're getting a divorce they haven't told the daughter yet and then telling the daughter sparks this transformation based on the daughter being like i wish my parents would be friends again and i didn't realize that it, it kind of reminded me of um gosh like a we've been watching a lot of disney movies with the kids and it kind of reminds me of like a like the plot to a 90s disney movie you know <laughs> Uh, it does and like a quick disclaimer for anyone who's thinking about getting into it like everything you said is correct and it does feel like it's this story that's going to unfold and be magical and be like a disney game this game uh i don't recommend small children playing this game it's got i don't want to say adult themes um it does have some innuendos especially from something by the name of the book of love who gyrates a lot um but there's some moments in this game where like you just feel bad because you're like there's things that your players do that make them terrible people but you have to do them anyways and like i don't want to spoil one of them like this one that we clipped that we're going to keep forever it's such a moment in the game where you're like, we're not the good guys. Like, we're terrible people. And you evolve into better people throughout the game. But there's moments where, like, I could feel like a small child would just start crying. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it looks cute and friendly. Uh, you know, it's got that vibe of a, you know, rags to riches story of two people who are just frustrated and they grow and love each other. It's got all that. But the meat and potatoes of it, there's moments where it's like, yeah, I I don't think a kid should play this game. They they might be a bit mortified. Yeah. So quick disclaimer on that one. A lot of fun. Just a lot of fun. Play it with somebody. Just make sure they're probably teen or older. Yeah, it, it's hard to get that sense from the beginning of the game outside of you know tough subjects like uh like a kid going through through a divorce and uh also also i will say and the first thing ashley noticed in, in the scene at the beginning when 
after the parents tell the kid, the kid says, oh, I'm going to go play in my room. And then she quickly, uh, you know, collects some things and climbs out her window. And right below her window is like a like a lattice sort of uh, setup. Um, and Ashley's just like, well, that's poor design. Like, who leaves the lattice climbable structure right underneath the kid's window? And I'm like, you know what? That is pretty scary. We definitely should not let our kids see this game. Um, but it's... I agree with you. Like, there's something about it. Definitely the Book of Love, you feel like he's going to get to some chapters that involve, like, you know, re uh, reacquainting your love, you know? And uh, in the beginning of the game, he he is just kind of, like, suggestively gyrating around, but he's he's still working on the collaboration. Oh, and That's his thing the whole game. Oh, is it? Yeah? He does it's not just, stop? Yeah. No, it's it's his own language. That's just how he talks. It's words and gyrations the whole time. <laughs> Yeah. So just fair warning, like for some reason, if if you get offended by gyrating books, <laughs> this game might not be for you. But the Book of Love definitely is well aware he is the Book of Love. Oh, yeah. So he, he, he wears it on his sleeve. I <laughs> I really I really think like when I was when I was sort of playing this game, like honestly, even if you're unsure about it, um, you know, this game is even though it's part of the EA sort of originals. It's not part of the trial. I'm guessing uh, that's probably because it w- it's easily beaten in 10 to 15 hours. Like it's a shorter game. Uh, yeah, it took us, a, I think, just about 14 hours of going through it. And we just did it in like, I wouldn't say one run. We took like a small four hour break in between, but straight 14 hours. Um, we're also two people who are like really, really good at puzzle games. So I would say if you're someone who just like casually plays puzzle games, we're probably looking about 15 to 16 hours, but it's definitely on the shorter side of a game. Mm-hmm. And I think it's only 25 on the stores. I uh, think it was 24.99. Well, I- so it's, it's not a full priced $60 game for anybody who's about to get up in arms about playtime. I think it's, it's, it was definitely worth the price. Yeah, it, it is a budget title in, in the sense that it's not fully priced. I think it's $50 Canadian. You can pick it up for 50. So about 40 American, I would guess. And uh, you, you do get to you, you don't get two copies. But the cool thing about it is, is that with the friend pass, you as a person only have to buy the game. And then anybody you want to play with can just download the free version and it all just works. So that is a really generous move in terms of uh, in terms of a co-op game, and it's I think very similar to what they did with uh, No Way Out. And if you if you look at it, it takes two, um, you know, it's not on it's not on Game Pass, it's not on EA Play, but uh, it is something you can play through the EA Play Pro. So it is I think it's twenty dollars a month. So even if you want to. Just try it out and play it once. With you have one person specifically in mind that you want to play it with, you can go check out that subscription, and then you get access to the game. Um, but it's really cool that you can test out the game with you know your perspective, you know co-op partner uh, by using the friend pass. I was really impressed with that because I was like, I, I kind of want to try this with Ashley. Ashley's not, you know, she doesn't play video games, but um, she will she will give them shots. And I felt I felt like okay, this is probably a good opportunity to kind of test that out. And she did really well. Like you know, she she doesn't like controlling the camera, 
which is fine because I think the game is very generous in, in that regard. Um, mm-hmm. But but the controls are very intuitive. Like they're not complex. You know, you've got a double jump, you've got a dash, um, and uh, you got a you got a butt stomp, and really that's that's the core stuff. Each level you'll get like a different item to use, but for the most part, those three things you just said that's. That's pretty much it for the game. It's all mostly just using those small set of tools to, you know, solve all these different puzzles. And there's no one level that's similar. Like, I think that was probably the most impressive part about it was that every level that we played, uh, it felt completely different from every other level. Like, it didn't feel like there was a lot of repeating mechanics. It didn't feel like uh, we were like, oh, it's another one of these jump puzzles. Oh, it's another one of these other puzzles. They really do a great job about giving you a different mechanic every level and then making the level around that mechanic. So it just feels completely fresh. Cool. Well, I mean, when when we braked to start recording, I did say to Ashley, like, do you think I should pick this up? Do you want to play it? And, uh, you know, she said, nah, no, I, I don't think so. But I think... I, I really think she she would enjoy it, and I think the story was really interesting, and the humor was really spot on from what I experienced. But uh, the one question I did have in terms of the overall experience throughout the game is the intro level is it's kind of uh, there's no pressure, you know. Uh, checkpointing was very generous when you'd fall off a ledge, and it was pretty much platforming. The one time I could probably see an issue arising is if there's pressure to uh to perform your platforming and just get get from point a to point b before you know disaster x is slowly approaching from behind like are there any of those areas because i could see that being an issue where um you know under pressure having to you know double jump and dash and all that fun stuff um i don't i think the closest thing to that is that there is a level where there's like you're snowboarding and the area around you is like collapsing. So you have to like, it's always pushing you forward. So you just kind of have to navigate the landscape. But outside of that, it's pretty lax on how quick you finish stuff. Mostly because part of the fun is also finding creative ways to kind of kill your partner, which we may or may not have done a few times. (laughs) Okay. Um, But it, no, it doesn't really push you in a sense of like, Uh, you're being forced to move forward, especially since outside, I think, the first level. I think every other level, they they create these levels where, you know, you had to get from point A to point B, and you can. However, between point A and point B is this huge environment to just explore and have fun. Like, we were in a toy room for one, and there's just all these toys scattered around that you technically don't have to do anything with, but we would go over there and just start playing with these toys. Like you can play darts with your body. You can play all these board games. And we played chess at one point. That was one of the side mini games. Like I feel like it does the opposite where instead of forcing you to go from point A to point B, it's encouraging you to kind of stop and explore the area around you and just have fun in the environment of being, you know, a tiny person in a big world. Yeah, I, I really felt like they nailed that design just from what I experienced and from what I remember in the announcement trailer, because I I remember that uh, that feeling of this big world as you're sort of walking through it. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, 
I think it was, was it Yarn? Yarny was the character, but was that the game? <laughs> I'm trying to remember where you played as like a yarn character. Unravel? Got, yeah, Unraveled. That's it. So it kind of reminded me of that in terms of its aesthetics, right? Um, and I love that they gave the two main characters like a different, obviously a different personality, and uh, but also a different look. And they're both built from different, completely different materials too. So I, I was really liking that design side of it where the the guy is made of clay and the girl's like more of a wooden figure. It was it was really neat and, and allowed you to immediately pick the two apart because that was one of the that's always a concern in co-op games. It's like, okay, who is who? And it was very easy to tell right off the bat who was who. They they did a good a good job on that front. Yeah, and even all the animations and stuff for them are completely different. Like uh I found that my character, I played the guy who was made out of clay. Um, he was a lot more relaxed in his movements since I guess clay is moldable and stuff. Whereas my sister's character, which was the female, she's very rigid and like my guy, he moved with some fluidity and all the animations around it were based off that. Like it's kind of animations you would see someone made out of clay doing. Whereas her character looked more human, I guess is how I would say it, because she acted more rigid, like she had a bone structure. And it was actually really cool to see the difference between the two. And things like, even at one point we relax on a hot tub, our characters are sitting in two completely different ways. So it's not just, you know, two different sprites pasted on the same animations. These are two completely unique characters that are just cool. And mine was cooler, you know, I gotta say. No offense to my sister, but, you know, my guy was pretty cool. So just got to say, play the dude. He's pretty <laughs> awesome. I, I, you know what? I, I, I did like the, uh, the setup of, of the dude as well, but I think both characters, they, they did a really good job of, of crafting both of them. And I mean, on the, on the line of animations, I think they really nailed, uh, the presentation and cutscenes as well, because that is always a struggle with video games especially these days, is that the production value for cutscenes is kind of different across the board. And I think they really paid close attention to the way they crafted their cutscenes. Because yes, even though this these are two dolls that have been brought to life, they really do carry this humanity to them as they're, you know, walking and talking. I think they did a great job, you know, doing the mocap and animating them and the voice acting like this isn't just a fun puzzle game with an indie flavor. Like this feels like a triple A experience at a budget, you know, a budget title price, but also very generous when it comes to its, to its co-op. I mean, you have to play co-op. I I don't even think there's an option to play with an AI. So you got to keep that in mind, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of the little I've played. It is a lot of fun. And the fact that you, you and your sister were able to get through it in, you know, a weekend and just have a blast with it. Like that's, that's really cool. Um, do you feel like there's some replayability there? And I'm not just asking so that you and I can play. Um, but, uh, is there, is there some replayability once you've finished it and not necessarily you and your sister playing again, but you and another person playing again, like down the road? Um, I was thinking about that the other day and I guess I don't know until I play it. Like, I think part of what made it so great was the experience of playing it 
for the first time, like the story, how it evolved, all the cool sequences and all that jazz was amazing. Having not knowing what was going to happen. So replayability, the mini games are a lot of fun and you can do a lot of the mini games. I think you can do them outside the main story. Um, So as you unlock those, you can jump back and play them. And those are just a blast to play. It's tough to say because I think I wouldn't know until I started playing it for a second time. I think it's great enough to carry itself through a second playthrough. I don't think I could do a third. I think the first time it's amazing. The second time is cool because you get to relive it. I think after that, though, it kind of falls off pretty hard just because of the type of game it is. Like it does rely on the wow factor of experiencing it just blindly. Um but it is such an amazing game that had I play had I had to play it a second time, I wouldn't complain. Like it is that fun. But I don't think I'm going to go out of my way to do it. Like I'm not gonna go, oh, you know what? Let's boot up it takes two. Let's do this. I think it's more of a someone goes, Hey, you wanna play it takes two? I'm like, yeah, sure, it's a fun game. But it, it really relies heavily on the wow factor of experiencing it for the first time. And that's why I know you messaged me about playing and I was like, look, play it with somebody who hasn't played it before, because part of the joy of that game was two people experiencing this stuff for the first time and like playing off one another's like, oh, that was so cool. Did you see that? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, look in this corner. It's so cool. Yeah. Whereas if you play with somebody who's done it before, you'd be like, oh, hey, Ryan, let's go over here because this is over here. You know, it kind of. I don't want to say it ruins the experience, but I don't think it's as special as it could be with two people exploring it for the first time, if that makes sense. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and again, I, I, I appreciate the honesty on that, because, again, like I, I think that that goes back to the, the original offering of the game and the way the pricing is structured in that there's a reason they say buy buy it once and you can play with whoever you want they don't there's no burden on their side to play with you and i think that is that is solely because of the way they've designed the product in that yeah it's meant to be played like a lot of games play through it once experience it with one person they're really trying to focus in on having you play the whole thing through with the same person and experiencing it together um and i think maybe that's the difference between no way out in this one is that no way out kind of felt I never I did not play it so I'll start with that but it from the outside looking in it felt more like a game that was like a narrative experience whereas it takes two is kind of a narrative it's comedic and it's just a more fun loving experience as opposed to no way it was like let's see what we can do with some cool co-op and again if if someone has played no way out and I'm uh they're very similar in in the regards that you know, Josh has already said, then uh, I, I'll totally eat eat those comments for sure. But um, it's just, again, from outside looking in, that's kind of what I perceived. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to play It Takes Two. I will have to, uh, I'll have to talk to Ashley again and see if I can convince her to, to give it a shot. But at the very least, when it does arrive on, you know, EA Play and, and therefore Xbox Game Pass, uh, won't have any excuse. I'll have to boot it up. And uh, we we had fun with the with the trial, and I really think like as long as the game doesn't get too much more complex from what you experience in in the in the intro level, like I feel like there's a it's a really good game for 
players of all all levels um because it's it it it, it feels approachable i think yeah very much so it's it's not a hardcore game of any sort it's definitely just have fun like that's the best advice i can go into in that game is just have fun find ways to you know kill each other accidentally uh because there's there's no punishment like you don't have any limited number of lives you instantly respawn uh if it's a boss fight you have to spam triangle for like three seconds to respawn there's it's honestly feels like a no punishment just there to have fun kind of game and it is it's a blast well that's great to hear i'm really glad we got to chat about this one on uh the gamers in and uh yeah check out it takes two available now um i personally in terms of what i've been playing it's been a, a pretty relaxed week and i talked a little bit about this on the patreon mini but I've been playing a lot of Fire Emblem Three Houses again, just because we're playing through uh, the Claude route on Summoner's Call for Game Club. And I, as opposed to, I would try to fit it in, in in addition to all the other games I've been playing, but it's been such a busy week that really I just, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to sit down, I'm going to play this and, you know, do some missions and have some fun. And, you know, my criticisms aside, speaking of playing a game twice, uh, my criticisms aside of having to go through the monastery stuff, like again, after doing so much of it in my first playthrough, it was a lot of fun to just like lay back and, and just have a good time and, and run through the missions and stuff. It was, uh, it, it, it's a much better experience when you're not trying to rush through like the monastery stuff. I, I don't know. Have you played Fire Emblem Three Houses? This feels like a game you, you checked out. I have played it four times. Wow. I've done each route once. Um, I played through it, well, I guess technically three and a half times because there's three and a half routes. Yeah. Uh, and I started a fourth playthrough with the DLC characters. I know the DLC stuff has been a, a, a huge boost to my enjoyment of, of playing through it again because it does, it offers some sort of uh different flavors you're going through like there's a couple more character interactions there's definitely four new characters but you kind of get that extra sprinkling of of content coming in so it's really interesting to hear that you you've played it through four times how did you how did you handle the <laughs> the monastery stuff four times uh i mean i'm not gonna lie um so i guess for those who haven't played it you can recruit you can pretty much recruit almost everybody on your team. Um, I think my first playthrough, I did everyone that I possibly could max like, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Relationship oh, uh, support. Reputation? I think it's just support. Yeah. I forget what they call it. Um, but I did everything on my first run. And so from there on out, depending on how I felt about the monastery stuff, because it's the same first half game, it feels like every time. Uh, I would either just be like, eh, well, this is the team for my house. That's all I'm going to have. That's all I care about. Let's do this. And it's nice and quick. Or maybe if I like pick and choose characters I want, I can do that. Um, but I really liked the game. It was my first Fire Emblem game I ever played. So it was kind of my introduction into how 
the Fire Emblem games play and kind of getting a feel for having like instead of one main character, you just have this huge support staff of characters, which was a ton of fun. Um, yeah, I I don't remember how I got through it four times, but uh, I remember enjoying it each time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll say this. I, I am I'm definitely enjoying my time with it. And I think really what was standing in the way of my enjoyment was just focusing in on like having to I got to get through this segment and I got to mash through it as quickly as possible. And I think that game works really well when you give it the time it deserves. And there are opportunities to kind of push through a little quicker. You know, you can have, uh, so, you know, in traditional Fire Emblem games, obviously you have a story bit chapter uh, or a battle story bit. And that was sort of the structure. And there was, as the games progressed, they would add this little metagame in between the chapters, but Three Houses definitely went above and beyond with the metagame. And you, in your first playthrough, if you don't, so in my first playthrough, I didn't recruit anybody that didn't just say, can I join your team or was already on your team. So coming into my second playthrough, uh, I was a little, uh, I was like, okay, I want to, I want to recruit as many people as I can, because I know, I now know what happens when you don't, and it's not great. (laughs) So uh, I've been working on that. And maybe that's caused a little more anguish as I'm like, trying to recruit folks. But now that I'm at a point where I've kind of got my core roster of the characters I like, and I can kind of move forward. And the uh, the part we're in in part one is starting to get a little more varied in terms of uh, the missions you're taking on and the character dialogue, because part one is very similar across all three routes. Uh, but part two is where it differs. So I think we're like chapter nine and we're working our way towards um, part two, probably within a month. But uh, yeah, I'm having fun with it. And it's funny. It's taken me this long to get a second playthrough in. I've definitely tried but uh, we, we kind of use this game club as a sort of a jumping off point to be like, okay, Ryan's going to give this another shot and uh, see if we can get through it again. And it's been, it's been a fun experience. And yeah, the DLC really does sort of add an extra layer of, of stuff to do and to experience, especially if you've already played through. I don't blame anybody for not immediately jumping into a second game because even a single route is still a lengthy game. like. Just because there's three and a half routes doesn't mean each route is like 10 hours and altogether you have a 35 hour game. Uh, It's still a long game per route. So like anybody who doesn't jump immediately into figuring out what happens on a different route, I don't blame them at all. I remember like I think I spent most of my time playing it at work. I just bring my switch to work and I don't have a lot to do at my job during COVID and all that jazz. So uh, I think that's where I got a lot of my playtime in. So, yeah, I I don't think this is a like if you're someone who did do three and a half routes, one right after the other, the moment this game dropped, my hat's off to you because that monastery bit, it lasts a while each time you do it. <laughs> yeah. And you're right. Like in order to experience the story, we're even at a point where in doing Claude's route, even in part one, like we're probably three quarters of the way through part one. um you are learning tidbits uh, more than you didn't get 
in your in your first compl- complete playthrough. But it's still like you really do have to play through all three parts to kind of have a, a not even a full understanding, but a general understanding of what's of what's going on. And I think similar to Final Fantasy, the the set the structure of the world and the rules and the characters reset pretty much every every game like three houses is separate from fates which is separate from awakening and that universe so they've really they've kind of created these like pocket universes every time they build a new fire emblem game and in doing so like this this game is definitely the most explored in terms of like this new world but there are still a lot of unknowns or a lot of like not fully explain situations and and even then like i'm probably sitting here saying this and and there might be someone who has connected the dots and and has pretty much explored every every nook and cranny of the game but yeah it's uh it's really crazy and we're having a we're having a good time with it and i just thought it was worth worth noting so if if folks want to follow along with our game club definitely uh subscribe to summoner's call which is our Fire Emblem Heroes podcast. But if you don't play Fire Emblem Heroes, don't worry. We have time codes in there, so you can jump right to the Game Club segment. Totally up to you. That's why they're there. And we, we understand you may be into three houses, but not into a mobile game. Totally cool. But I got to say, the whole podcast is cool. I have a quick question for you. Yeah. So you're familiar with the Fire Emblem universe, I guess? Yeah. You've played a few of the games? I think I've um, played... I've I've definitely played all of the North American releases, so I can say that. Okay, because like the way you're talking about three houses, I think you're gonna be surprised because it has multiple endings, right? One for each route. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how to ask this without spoiling it. Maybe I'll just cancel my question. No, well, okay. Like, I don't has has there been multiple endings in past games, like? Because this uh, one is very clear it's got multiple endings. Like, they are not shy about each house having their own story. Yeah. Like, I, I know I know three houses, each house has a different... Well, they call them roots paths for a reason, because I feel like, you know, uh, I played through um, Edelgard's route, the Black Eagles, first. That is a very clear path um, that is that is not explored in say Claude's route, you know, uh, Claude, Dimitri and Edelgard all have different sort of reasons for doing what they do. And that leads the, the universe in a very specific, uh, direction, very different direction from all three, whether other games have had multiple endings. Um, I don't, I don't believe so. I could be wrong. Like there might be where the endings usually differed was uh previous to fates it was in sort of the character relationships so depending on um who uh got an s rank with who that would lead to a different epilogue story but really gotcha. didn't change the story so to speak or the or the conclusion to the story however fates was the first one that kind of explored different distinct paths and i remember having this conversation on the show where i was super stoked that you know, we get Fire Emblem games every three or four years and they're giving us three or, uh, yeah, they're giving us three different paths with the Fates games, but you had to buy three different games or you had to buy one game and then you could unlock the other paths through a discounted DLC price. 
And at the time, that sounded like a cool idea, but yeah, it it was it was a whole it was a lot. And I think there were some missing pieces that Three Houses has that would have made it a, a better experience. Um, so in that case with Fates, yeah, there were three different paths, and they would lead in somewhat different directions. Like peace was always the the sort of the goal. It was how they came about it, and I think in in Fates specifically. Three Houses, I think, is the first one where they're offering very distinct endings, um, which is my understanding in in having not played all the routes, but have explored the general direction for all of them when I was trying to choose uh, which one I wanted to do first, right? Yeah, because, I mean, the reason I ask is because they're three different stories. Like, it's not three and a half different routes that all lead to the same endpoint. Like I, I, it's so different that like, I don't know if it matters which one is canon, but that's how different that they are. And that's why I don't know if this is just a fire emblem thing, but each house, like it's its own unique game within itself. It doesn't tie much into the stories of the other houses. Once you get to part two, you're playing something different each route. And that's why I didn't know if that was a Fire Emblem thing or not, where it's not, you know, oh, I'm playing through the second half, but through the eyes of Edelgard. And this time I'm going to look at it through the eyes of Claude. It's like it, it Three Houses was not designed like that. Three Houses was designed, look, if you want to experience a story, where Edelgard is your main character, this is the story we're going to give you. But in a whole different universe, this is the story that we're going to give you if you want Claude to be your main character. So you're, it's. I think that's why I loved Three Houses so much, is that it wasn't four routes that all eventually connect to the same outcome. It was four different stories altogether. Yeah. Again, a very generous offering from oh, yeah. from Nintendo to be like uh, where they tried to split it up, you know, with Fates and and uh, some would say double dip. And I think that is fair to say now that we have three houses, uh, like three houses, the fact that it's all in one package, it's probably the most ambitious Fire Emblem game, maybe even the most ambitious Nintendo game outside of Breath of the Wild uh, to, to come out. And I know it was a huge undertaking. It was multiple studios and. Um, I think essentially Intelligent Systems did all like the writing and the character development while uh, Koei Tecmo did basically the programming and, and engine work. And yeah, this this is a very unique um, Fire Emblem experience. The other ones would sometimes have like, uh, you know, like the original one that came to North America had uh, a prologue where you played as Lin and then uh, the next, sec- the main part of the game where you played as Elliewood. But then there was like a different mode where you could do Elliewood's section of the story as Hector. Um, and I might be misremembering this. There are obviously a lot of folks listening that, that have a deeper understanding than I, but um, probably more fresh in my, in my mind, thanks to Game Club with Summoner's Call, is Sacred Stones, which was the second North American release, GBA. There were, um, that was the diamond approach where there were two characters. There was like a shared path, and then you got to a tipping point where you played as either Erica or um, Ephraim, uh, two brothers, uh, and or sorry, a brother and a sister, <laughs> and uh, they would they would go in opposite directions. So therefore, the diamond approach in that they 
depending on which route you took, you would go in completely different directions. Um, sometimes inexplicably meet the same people, but I think it kind of worked out in the end and then kind of would come back to a point. So you would diverge and then you would come back to the same story, the same conclusion. So they were always exploring these other, you know, route ideas and stuff, but they did always kind of come back to the same story. Like Three Houses is very unique in in that it it is very much four different stories that they're, or four different conclusions, I should say. They all kind of start in the same sort of pool, yeah. but then they, they branch off, so. They branch out drastically. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we're having a lot of fun with that. I'm I'm excited to to keep playing Fire Emblem. Although I am I am hoping for a new game at some point. But uh, I, a game and a franchise really, and and I'm going to give Jim a shout out here. He's probably going to be upset that I have not played Valkyria Valkyria Chronicles one and four. There's a there's a whole host of these games. I will give an anecdote though because uh, I remember Valkyria Chronicles one came out on PS3. And it was so hard to find like a physical copy. It was when we were in university. My roommate, he called like every EB in town to see if he could find one of these games because they were so hard to find. And this was before like games were digitally available uh, or readily available. And uh, yeah, I remember it being very hard to find. I remember getting it and I remember like, okay. I I think at that point it was kind of like one of those limited import releases where yes it had technically been localized but they made so few copies it was so hard to get get your hands on but uh you are doing trophy hunting in the valkyria chronicles franchise so how is that going uh it's going pretty well uh valkyria chronicles one was one of the first games i got for the ps3 when i first got a ps3 and i absolutely loved it i highly recommend it they did a remastered version and released it on the playstation 4 uh so it plays exactly the same but it looks better which is always a plus um i ended up getting the platinum on that streaming it uh is very fun game i think this is my third playthrough of it uh and now i'm working on valkyrie chronicles 4 they didn't release 2 and 3 here in the states or i guess outside japan um so we only have one and four there's an offshoot one i think but i haven't heard many great things about it um but yeah they're amazing games. I highly recommend them. Uh, I know 4 is on the Switch as well, because I have it on the Switch, but I recently bought it for the PlayStation 4 because I thought, hey, I'm a little addicted to this trophy hunting thing. Let me uh, let me go trophy hunt games that I have and that I love. So I'm doing that in Valkyria Chronicles. Amazing games. I highly recommend them. Now, I too am upset that you have not played <laughs> Valkyria Chronicles. I think I own Valkyria Chronicles 1 uh it was probably part of a humble bundle it it is a game that that kind of came out and uh i remember it got it got remastered and uh, as you said and and i i'm curious like the gameplay wise like i feel like having just discussed uh fire emblem three houses for like 10 minutes um it's probably making jim yell at his podcatcher even even louder because he's like it's it's similar shakes fist is it similar am is my impersonation of jimmy like spot on or um yeah <laughs> now that i think about it because like when i put it in the notes i was like i'm gonna have to describe the gameplay i don't know how to describe it and to be honest um it doesn't have uh it's not as strict and rigid with a grid system it's very open world-esque with movement but yeah 
same idea. You have this whole slew of support staff. Um, there's a story that drives you forward. You get to kind of customize the team that you bring in at each mission. You take one turn at a time based on X number of turns that you have available. So yeah, gameplay is pretty much very similar. Okay. And your impression of Jim, spot on. I yeah. thought he was on the call with us there for a second. Oh no. Well, Jim, I, 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 uh, I hate to, uh, I hate to bring this up, but I, I do have Valkyria Chronicles and I also appear to have a good chunk of DLC, whatever that means. Um, well, I know what DLC means, but I don't know what it means for Valkyria Chronicles. <laughs> um, yeah. So maybe, maybe I do some homework, uh, and, and I, I, I spare myself the wrath. Although, you know what I got out of, uh, I got out of having, not having to play or check out, uh, Ag's Ag's Sentinels thirteen Sentinels I'm just gonna call it because I I cannot I'm not I already made the mistake of trying to pronounce it last episode but um I I dig I I really like the idea of playing you know JRPGs I think that's why I've kind of come back around you know on playing Three Houses again uh you know even though I was always I was down for it because I love Fire Emblem but I'm in terms of the characterizations in Valkyria Chronicles, are you getting those similar experiences where you're getting dialogue and these characters are, you know, well liked and stuff? Like you want to learn more about them? Like I'm, I'm also interested in that aspect of JRPGs as well. Yes and no. Uh, I think Fire Emblem does it much better. Uh, Valkyria Chronicles one, you pretty much only learn about like the main four or five characters, um, and the rest are just kind of like. They have what's called potentials, which is pretty much their personalities and how it affects them on the battlefield. Um, and that kind of makes each character unique. Uh, Valkyria Chronicles 4 does more about adding in those support characters and the cutscenes and whatnot. You kind of get a little bit more of their personality. But in terms of that, Fire Emblem does far and away much more. Like, it's night and day compared to them. Like you may have the roster, you may have the personalities kind of outlined in words, but you don't see it play out. Whereas in Fire Emblem, you know, you have the five different conversations you can have, which each character for each character, it's definitely well fleshed out compared to Valkyria Chronicles. Interesting. Okay. Well, I do have it. I do own it on Steam, so maybe I need to... uh... I need to check this thing out. So, uh, you know, I've, I'm I'm getting a lot of homework as I have these guests on and they bring new experiences to the show. And I've always meant to check out Valkyria Chronicles. I think even four was part of a humble uh, choice bundle recently that I might have might have passed on. So I probably stopped talking. I'm 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 bringing all this wrath upon me. <laughs> well, the test is on Friday, sir. Oh you no, have your homework. What's so. today? Tuesday. All these days, just uh, well, obviously today's Tuesday. We're we're recording, so. <laughs> that's how i know uh, what day it is it's like okay what show do i have tonight and i've kind of spaced them out so i always know like okay tonight is tgi so that means tomorrow's wednesday and uh okay we're good um yeah no i'll, I'll check it out i i will you know what is it is it uh does it have controller support because i feel like it would be a really cool game i do own it on steam but i have a computer in the in the living room i could just play it with my controller um sure I mean, I have it for the PlayStation. Oh, that's so right. You did say that. I don't know if it has. I'm pretty sure it would have controller support. I can't imagine playing that game mouse and keyboard, but I don't want to say 100% that it does. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I apologize. You did say you were playing on PlayStation. So if it must, 
at least we know it can be played with a controller, whether it has PC controller support. Sometimes that stuff just wasn't included, even though the work had been done. So, um, yeah, I will add it to the list. Hey, to my credit, I did the Yakuza homework, uh, you know, a few years ago. And um, I'm totally a few down. Years ago, was it a few years ago? I feel like homework is an every night thing, Mister. Are you <laughs> saying you haven't been doing your homework for a couple of years? Look, there's a lot of them, and uh, I know they're all on Game Pass. And... I'm gonna have to talk to Ashley about this. This is unacceptable. Well, okay, here I did say this. I did say this to Jim. Um, Yakuza Seven, like a dragon, which has the new gameplay style with the sort of the turn-based combat. I'm into that because one of the things I was terrible at with Yakuza Zero was the real-time brawler sort of combat. I am terrible at fighting games that aren't Smash Brothers, and even then, passable with Smash Brothers. <laughs> so, uh, I yeah, so I'm down for turn-based combat, and I'm I'm totally looking forward to checking out Like a Dragon when it arrives on Game Pass uh, down the road, or or a sale pops up. I mean, I'm I'm definitely down to check it out. I hear good things about those games but yeah what i'm saying is i will do my homework and uh one of the best ways to encourage us to do our homework is to support the gamers in listening writing in your emails joining us in discord is super helpful but also you can check out patreon.com slash the gamers in where you can support us directly we are looking for our next featured patron so if you want to get a shout out on the show you can head over to patreon.com slash the gamers in and if you're looking for a preview of what we're going to talk about, you can subscribe to our TGI Patreon Mini, which has its own feed on the Patreon site and is early access for patrons. So check that out. Uh, moving into the news, we've got a couple of little stories and we've got some big ones that we can probably uh, chomp into in just a little bit. But uh, starting off with a little quick one here. Valve has announced their Steam Next Fest, and it's kind of taking place during the traditional E3 timeframe in early June. And uh, this will be a multi-day event featuring developer live streams and downloadable game demos. This has been done a couple of times uh, over the last year. And uh, I really dig that Steam is getting in on this. I love the... I wish I had more time to check out all the demos that were presented. Um... I will admit I haven't had a chance to actually dive in, but I, I think it's really cool that they're doing this. I, I, I appreciate being able to check out these demos. I know it's a lot of work for the developers to put these together, but it, it might allow us to discover some 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 games that probably wouldn't would go undiscovered, right? Without this uh, sort of platform. So, have you dabbled, Josh, in any of these Steam Game Festivals that they've done over the last year? Uh, over the last year, no. Uh, I, uh, been the COVID thing has kind of affected me a lot. So that's actually kind of the reason why I'm glad to see stuff like this, where, uh, it's live stream, it's digital. It's something that people aren't gathering around. Cause it's, I mean, I don't, I hope E3 is not happening this year. It's not that I don't like E3. I think we just need to let this COVID thing resolve itself and then we can have fun again. Um, but I think this is really smart on Steam to come out and be like, hey, around that same time y'all be missing E3, we're doing this cool thing. You should come check it out. It's all digital. Download some demos. Get some live streams. And I'm on board. I'll probably end up checking this out just because, you know, I'm all for people adapting 
And I think Steam is smart to take advantage of a point in the year where a lot of gamers are looking for information. Um, and then they get to kind of, it sounds bad to say it like this, but they kind of get to control what we see in that part of the year, assuming E3 doesn't do a digital show. And Steam can kind of like, you know, say, hey, this is the stuff we think you should be looking at, you know. Um, and I'm not saying it's anything nefarious, but I think it's awesome. I'm all for it. More digital stuff, please, because it's been a little dry the past six months. At least for me, it has in terms of hearing about new releases and getting excited about new releases. Like, I think the one thing I'm most excited for is the HD release of Mass Effect 1 through 3. Mm -hmm. And that's just a remaster. So... Oh, I'm I'm looking for more of this kind of stuff where I can absorb it from a distance, have fun with it, catch some live streams and all that jazz. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, it has been a quiet couple months. Uh, I think last year was was louder than it probably would have been without new consoles coming out. I think a lot of companies had to show their hands and and get some some excited foots in the door, but. Uh, yeah, um, I know E3 is going to be, it was it was non-existent last year. I think they're attempting to do a digital sort of event. So definitely COVID safe. But uh, yeah, June, I think this summer is going to be big. We're going to have some announcements. I wouldn't expect like any crazy AAA sort of announcements, but I think we're going to get some fun stuff for sure. And I think uh, Valve and Steam have done a great job with these uh, digital events. So I'm I'm glad to see them doing more. And I want to see it continue uh, past this uh, whole pandemic business. Um, next story we have is uh, PlayStation being very serious about their PlayStation productions, sort of studio efforts. Ghosts of Tsushima is uh, getting a movie, and it's going to be directed by that John Wick guy. Uh, I, man, I had his name in front of me. Chad John- Stileski. Stileski. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Chad Stileski. Yeah. So, did you play Ghost of Tsushima? Yep. Game of the year last year. Hands oh down. wow! Not nice. a question. Not a doubt. It game of the year. Just I, I need to finish. It. <laughs> <laughs> I don't this... know how much in order to say it without a doubt in my. Now I will say I didn't play Last of Us two. So for anybody who's like part of that, it's Last of Us two versus Ghost of Tsushima. Disclaimer: I've never played the Last of Us games. Um. So for me, Ghost of Tsushima was easily, without a single doubt in my mind, game of the year. Hmm. So, and then they're like, hey, you know that amazing game that you loved? And I'm like, well, yes. And they're like, hey, you know that amazing movie series called John Wick that you love? And I'm like, well, yeah, I do love me some John Wick. Like, what if, hear us out, we combine the two? And then I'm like, yes, please take my money. Like yeah. that's, oh, this is going to be amazing. I'm personally, I'm really excited to see companies excited about making uh, movies and TV productions out of their out of their properties. I think that Nintendo has obviously had its its fair share of experience, we'll call it, uh, with <laughs> with making you know their stuff. And I know they're cautiously working on a Mario movie and it seems like that thing is going to happen with uh, the Minion Studio Illumination. But I think PlayStation has been lately the most forward about 
yeah, we're adapting this. It's happening. And attaching big names. I mean, the news for the Last of Us series coming to HBO, you know, you've got uh, two Game of Thrones alums with, um, I don't remember the the girl's name who's playing Ellie, but I know it was uh, it was the Mormont I lady. I can, yeah, I can see her, but I don't remember the name. I think it was Rebecca something is coming to mind. Um, I'm terrible with names. So again, that's my out. But uh, Pedro Pascal is going to be playing Joel. And it really feels like they're fine. They're not just cashing in on these IPs anymore. They're trying to make something that lives up to the IP, but also brings in new audiences. And I know I've talked about the Sonic movie and how I liked it and my kids liked it. Um, It's not the greatest movie ever made, but in terms of they're making a Sonic film and your reaction to that initial news, pretty good film. And I think from Sonic, that's all you can kind of hope for. But that Mortal Kombat movie coming out um, in April, like I'm looking forward to that. I just want to see, you know, a, a period of what they did with comic book movies. Give give us that, but for video games, because I personally like to experience my favorite IPs in as many mediums as possible. Dude, I was the guy who read the Halo novels in high school, <laughs> and I know that gives you a specific type of reputation, but... I just oh, I read them too, so I yeah. feel you, man. I don't read them anymore. I I, I feel like uh, they were well written. Uh, there was a series, I think the Fall of Reach series was really cool. There was like a trilogy of books there with that one. That's and the ones I read. Yeah, really good stuff. And I I feel I could nerd out about the Halo books, like the early <laughs> books. I, I have not read them in a while. Um, but, you know, something that won't get me in trouble on this show is also like I read a lot of the Warcraft books. And again... They're really well put together, and of course they're catered to a specific audience, but that's what we want as that audience. We want to be catered to with this stuff. So a Ghost of Tsushima movie, I think that's a really good fit, obviously having borrowed you know, a lot of its flavor from you know original uh, samurai films and such. So I can't wait to see this. I've seen John Wick 1, and again, I know I'm making myself a huge list of homework. I know there's like six of those movies now. So There are three. And we're we're gonna we're gonna talk after this. I know we should make we'll make a list. We'll 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 get through the news and then you and I will sit down and figure (laughs) out everything that I need to do uh, over the next week. Um, I'm with you on this one. I think it's I think it's great. I think outside of the Uncharted curse, uh, PlayStation is doing a lot of good stuff with their IPs. Uh, I'm excited about this movie. I think it would be nuts if they released it like a Kurosawa film. I don't think they will. I think it would be cool if they did two versions, one that was and then one that wasn't like you can do inside the game. You can play it like a traditional black and white samurai movie. Um, but yeah, the Mortal Kombat movie that's dropping looks amazing. Uh, the Last of Us series is going to be great. Bella Ramsey was the name of the actress, by the way. Oh, Bella. So I was I was not even close. <laughs> I didn't want to call you out on the thing, but I also didn't want people going, oh my God, Ryan, it's this, this, this. I got the Mormon lady. I'll talk to him, guys. I'll talk to him. It's okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, you got that character, right? uh... Yeah, no, I'm all for this. I'm like you. I think the Marvel uh, movies proved that there can be crossover between different media and... I think there's been this stigma around video game movies, which is three words that you did not say together during that whole thing. And I was like, mm, he's not going to say the three words to have the stigma. 
Mm. But I think video game movies, I think they got a place and they're doing a lot of great things and I can't wait to see more of them drop. Um, you know, I th- think even Mass be getting one. I know that's been rumored going around. I'm still hoping we get an Uncharted one, but I don't think that's just ever going to happen at this point. But there's giving me 100%. I will support this project. Are you, are you, are you pretending that the Uncharted movie isn't coming out or I can't at, at this point, uh, with how much it's been delayed and everything, I don't think it's coming out. Oh no, it's coming out in December. It's or no, um, I think it's coming out sooner. It's uh, or no, it got delayed. Uh huh. Look, <laughs> the moment yeah. I can put that movie on my TV, I will believe that they have made an uncharted movie. Look, I saw uh, it has uh, two problems. One, I don't think they're going to have Nathan Fillion, which they should. I think that YouTube short that he helped make was amazing and captured like Nathan Drake perfectly. And two, it keeps getting delayed so much that at this point, like, I don't know if there's something to compare it to where it just keeps getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And at one point, you just kind of give up on any information on it. I don't know if there's any game or movie that's done that before, but. Mm, yeah, well, it's uh, well, uh, Tom Holland is playing Nathan Drake and um, it is what it is. He looks great. Don't get me wrong as as Nathan Drake. I. I there's been some interesting comments lately from Tom Holland about his performance. And he's like, yeah, I just, I wish I could do it all again. I, and it's like, Oh, that's not a positive thing to say <laughs> about your, your time playing Nathan Drake. So we'll, we'll see how it turns out. And uh, yeah, it's, it was delayed again. I think it's coming out March of next year. Yeah, sure it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure it is. Yeah, sure. It sure. Is. Uh-huh. Um, well, let's, let's, uh, let's go into a, another story here. Um, th- this is a, a really quick one. I just wanted to note it cause it's, I don't want to say it's tone death, but it's, I think it's kind of CD project red. Uh, I guess we'll see, but essentially today on Twitter, CD project red kind of outlined their plan, their, their future plans for the studio. And it was very much like a stakeholder sort of presentation type thing. So it's, it's very dry. But essentially, the the breakdown of it is, um, they're reorganizing to develop multiple AAA projects at the same time, and that is a headline for sure because of what happened with Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Um, as a studio, I'm sure they're capable of it. They they did announce their uh, they've purchased um, a studio in Vancouver, so they're gonna have a CD Project Red Vancouver working on some projects and I guess that studio uh was one that was brought in to help on CD project or Cyberpunk 2077 but the core thing here is that they're going to be holding back on promotion until much closer to release so that I think is positive for sure and and a direct lesson learned from um part of the problems with Cyberpunk 2077 but saying you're going to work on two on multiple AAA projects at the same time doesn't necessarily I think inspire confidence with what happened last time when you were focused on one um but maybe this restructuring will help I don't know uh do you have any thoughts on on this uh I feel like it's very much a all-in kind of move right because they developed the Witcher series which was amazing like we all love the Witcher series and then 
Cyberpunk 2077 happened, and I think it was a learning experience by far on their end, and it's still something that needs to be fixed. Um, and I think them dropping this now is saying, look, we're well aware of the mistakes that we've made, and we're going to be different going forward. We still want to do all these things. This is still the plans that we have. And I think even they're kind of of the mindset where you can say it because you have to. Like you said, it's more of a shareholders thing. Like you have to get it out there. But at the end of the day, actions will speak louder than words. And everyone's going to be watching with skepticism over the next couple of years of how they handle their stuff. So I really feel in the eyes of the public that this is going to be a make or break kind of couple of years for CD Projekt Red. Because if they flop as hard as they did with Cyberpunk, it's just, I feel like it's just over in terms of gamer trust. But if they're able to do good stuff and release it working, I guess, is a bare minimum at this point, uh, I think they can start to rebuild that trust. So I think this is them drawing the line in the sand and saying, okay, we know what we've done. We're going to work on it. This is what we're going to do. We know you guys have some choice words for how we may have handled a couple of things, but we're going to fix it. So I think this is very much that point where they either do a good job of learning from their mistakes, fixing it and re-earning trust, or it's just not over, but it's a long ways from where it was to the point where I don't think there's coming back. But it is definitely something that needed to happen. They needed to come out and say, look, we're still going to do stuff. Mm-hmm. We have to do. Yeah. We get, yeah. It just, it has to happen. Is it tone deaf? I don't think it's tone deaf. I think they can't be surprised if they get criticized a lot for it. Um, but it's definitely a line in the sand, make or break moment. So I I am curious to see is how they handle all this, especially since they're talking about, you know, obviously with Cyberpunk, they hyped it up so much. And that's something they're going to learn from. Maybe they don't hyper hype it up as much next time. So I'm curious. I am cautiously curious because I wanted to love Cyberpunk. I never ended up buying it because of all the issues. I'll probably buy it a couple months from now, assuming they patch it enough times. So I didn't get burned in the sense that I bought a game that was broken. I got burned in the sense I get excited to get a game that was too broken for me to touch. So yeah, consider me cautiously skeptical. I think that's a, that's a good way to put it. I think, yeah, you're right. Tone death is uh, probably not the right words, although I'm sure people might think that is the case, but, uh, I don't. I personally saw it, and I thought, you know what? This is um, this is a company that knows how to make games, wants to keep making games, and is just being upfront about what they want to do going forward. And I, I would probably outline the same plans if I were in their shoes after after Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, and just be like, hey, we are going to keep making games, and we want to keep supporting Cyberpunk as a franchise. We want to keep supporting The Witcher as a franchise. I learned what uh the witcher monster slayer is it's like a pokemon go-esque witcher game so don't don't expect it be to be a triple a experience but 
they've already stated their next AAA experience for The Witcher is is something they're working on. They're they're going to do a new game there, but um, they didn't explicitly say it here. But uh, yeah, it's um, I like them as a developer. I I I really hope they can uh, address the concerns and and win people's hearts back because uh, I think they can do it. It's just going to take time, and it yeah. looks like they are taking that time. So yeah. uh, I do hope they come back. I think they make some great games. I never want to see uh, like a production studio fail, but at the at the same time, they're they're kind of fifty fifty in terms of past experience. So this is definitely where they decide which path they're going to take. Yeah. So we'll see if that works out for them. We'll keep a close eye as uh, we move into the future. But uh, speaking of a, a thing that is not moving into the future, Sony has officially confirmed that the PS3, PS Vita, and PSP PlayStation Store will close. Uh, The PlayStation 3 consoles store will close on July 2nd of this year, and the Vita devices store will close on the 27th of August. Um, And uh, the PlayStation Portable is kind of lumped in with the, the July 2nd date as well. What this means is you will not be able to purchase new PS3, PSP, and PS Vita games on their respective stores. However, you will be able to re-download and play previously purchased games. Um, removing a store doesn't necessarily inspire confidence about your ability to reaccess those digital licenses. However, um, here's hoping. <laughs> uh, so just you know, bear in mind that this is not the end of your digital collection, but um, it's going to be interesting as we watch these uh, these companies sort of address the the growing support they they have to have for these digital storefronts right and you look at steam as sort of like the best example in that like for the most part stuff gets delisted sometimes but you can still download it i think uh talking about stubs the zombie last last week that was a game that was delisted and then they brought it back um i'm pretty sure you were able to download your copy even if it was delisted it's very it's very rare that they will com- completely remove a game. Usually when they do that it's it's for very good reasons. But um in this case PlayStation's taking sort of the opposite approach to what Microsoft done, which is Microsoft's trying to create this like fully complete ex- Xbox experience from Xbox original to the Xbox Series X, right? And I don't know, like uh dropping support for your you know, two platforms before the current one that kind of sets up a dangerous sort of precedent in my mind for for purchasing digitally like do you purchase a lot of your experiences digitally Uh, most of mine is digitally purchased so i mean people still have access to their libraries which i think was pretty much the big thing for me like i want to say that this isn't a good move but when i think of the ps3 the ps vita in the PSP, I'm not exactly thinking like those were previous previous gen consoles. You know, like I, I'm actually kind of surprised that they kept it going this long because I don't know. I feel like that's a lot of support on the back end. For I mean, even the Vita and the PSP, and my sister's gonna hate me when I say this. I don't think they were as popular as maybe PlayStation would have hoped. So I. It's tough for me to say, at least from like a business perspective, 
that it's worth keeping them open. Um, I think if they just want to refocus their minds on the PS5 and any potential new console that they got in the works, um, I think it's just kind of a chapter that you have to close. I think Xbox is doing a good job of playing that nostalgic factor where they're trying to uh, make them digitally. Like you can play them a lot of them digitally on the Xbox game pass and whatnot. Um, I just feel like PlayStation's like, look at this point, if you haven't bought, you know, X, Y, Z for your PlayStation three, you're probably not going to buy it. Right. Like, is there really games coming out on the Vita and PSP and PS three that you're like, Oh man, I'm saving up my money to get that original version of Valkyria Chronicles one. You know, I just they're in terms of electronics, they're old systems. So I can understand why you would say, look, we're just gonna close the stores down. We appreciate it. The sales probably aren't meeting the, you know, demands to keep everything up on the back end. We'll still let you have access to your libraries, so you're not gonna lose anything that you already um have. But going forward, we're not gonna offer you anything new on older consoles. So for me, it's just, I don't know. I understand it. I get it. I don't own any of these systems outside the PS3, so I guess I don't really have a huge stake in it. But I think as long as you're still offering the libraries people have, uh, say it's, you know, just part of what you got to do. That is that is my big thing is um, as long as I can access stuff that I've purchased, that because PlayStation, Sony as a company still exists. It's not like they're shutting down. So that's my core issue is that close the stores. Absolutely. I, I understand that side of things because eventually you're going to have too much to have to support and you kind of have to pick and choose. Um, I, I do understand the other side. Like if you're not necessarily a collector, but coming back to the PS3, like you've never played it before and you want to experience some specific titles that are only available on the PS3 you're not able to buy those digitally. You have to find those games. And and if you're going back to the PS3 to experience something you missed out on, chances are it's a it's a rare game, right? Or or something along those lines that you're going to either have to dig through eBay for, um, or or you know do some uh, do some bargain bin hunting, right? And but yeah, like being access your purchases. That's m- that's my big thing. I'm usually one that lives sort of in the current generation, but I still like to know that I have access to my investments, right? Like I I can still plug in the PS3 and play something. And I think most folks who worry about the the digital access stuff, they they do buy physical. I know um Whirlwind in our Discord is he buys physical and um I know he's going to have some thoughts on our discussion on the story, but I I see all like you, I see all sides of it and I think that there are concerns here, but really Sony is being very clear that you will be able to access your purchases. I know Nintendo shut down the Wii shop um, and they did a similar thing, but they even stated, hey, your ability to download your old your old games, that will be discontinued at some point in the future, but no date was given. So that that is more concerning than what Sony's doing here. And and even Sony, like they have built-in functionality on the on the PlayStation to back up your purchases. But I still think there is 
from a from a game curator standpoint and and wanting to experience older titles, there is still concern here in that you're losing access to um, a very uh, e- easy access to to buy and play older games. I think I think there is there is a loss there, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But there's it's just such a it's just just a small market, right? Like you and I, it's like well, I ac- I have access to my my previous purchases. You've covered my bases, and I think that minimizes the amount of folks that are that are going to have a problem with this. But I, there are still people that are that are upset by a, a closure of this of this magnitude. The PS3 was a big deal, right? Yeah, and for what it's worth, PlayStation does a good job of selecting which titles they're doing remasters for. Um, I think I've ended up buying like four or five different remasters on the PlayStation Four that I played on the PlayStation Three. Um, because they're selecting these games that were just phenomenal. So I think if you're part of that niche market, that's like, Hey, I wanted to go back on the PlayStation three and play this amazing game. I'm willing to bet like nine times out of 10, you could probably get it on the PlayStation four. So I don't think you're completely closed off from a lot of great titles that dropped on that system. And again, like you said, it's a, I don't think it's a big enough market for PlayStation to justify keeping those backend servers and whatnot going. Mm-hmm. So I get it. It's going to suck for some people. Um, I think all of us who buy stuff digitally knows that at one point, something like this can and will happen. You know, I'm well aware that I have a huge digital library And one day down the road, I am no longer going to have a huge digital library. It's going to be ones and zeros in a server that no longer exists. Um, And it's just something that you kind of have to come to terms with when you buy stuff digitally. Like if you think you're going to have it forever, um, you're not. Don't want to break your heart. So uh, I think this is just, you know, PlayStation saying, look, it's time for these guys to Going to retirement. Yeah. I and I think you still have access to PS Now. PS Now still has PlayStation 3 experiences. So you'll be able to uh, jump in over there. I know it is a limited roster, but there is somewhat of a silver lining. And also maybe another point for the conspiracy theorists. It's like, oh, <laughs> they're shutting this down. So we subscribe to PS Now. I was like, well, I, I, yeah, okay. Um, I, we'll see how this goes. I think this is, um, it's, it, it, it you're right it is bound to happen at some point and i think now is the time for it to happen like we're we're two generations past this there's no new experiences coming to the ps3 and vita especially the playstation portable so uh now now is the time uh if you want to discuss this closure the news the other games we discussed go to our discord tgi discord uh bit.ly slash tgi discord you can also email the show, info at gamersinpodcast.com. Josh, uh, you mentioned you stream on Twitch. You're obviously on Twitter as well. Where can folks uh, find you on said websites and other websites? Uh, well, I made everything easy. Now I'm just Josh underscore 22 on every stream on Twitch five days a week, mostly to raise money for Extra Life. So I've been doing that all year. Uh, Twitter, same thing, just Josh underscore 22. I'm a variety streamer. We do a lot of co-op stuff. I like to tell people Friday nights, we do a community Don't Starve server nights. Uh, Jimmy, who you had on last week, is part of that. Uh, anybody can join. 
we got six slots. We usually have three or four filled, so there is space. So if you like playing Don't Starve Together on the PC, by all means, come and enjoy the fun. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Just Josh underscore 22. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much for being on the show, Josh. It's always great to chat with you and, and have you back on the show. So I really appreciate you being here. If you want to find more episodes of Gamers In, you can go to gamersinpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. As Josh said, you can find him at justjosh underscore 22. You can also find Jocelyn at Joss Plays, and you can find me at R. Murphy. Don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Tune in next week and have yourselves a grand old time. Collaboration. <laughs> that is exactly what that book sounds like. I just had to.